My name is Aaron Stein, and I am the Chief Content Officer at War on the Rocks. You are listening to The Warcast, the members-only podcast for what you need to know now. Welcome to The Warcast. Today I'm joined by Yoon Sun, who is a Senior Fellow and Co-Director of the East Asia Program and Director of China Program at the Stimson Center. Yoon, it's good to have you back on The Warcast. Thank you for having me again. Well, I think listeners will probably know by now is that um, President Biden uh, and Xi Jinping of China uh, met recently where not really necessarily had a reset of the relationship, but tried to establish parameters uh, around the relationship, particularly following uh, Speaker Pelosi's visit to Taiwan. Can you talk a little bit about the meeting uh, and your early impressions of it? Sure. Well, first, the meeting has really been negotiated for a very long time. As early as spring, the Chinese were talking about the negotiation about the leadership summit, somewhere in Southeast Asia, potentially in the fall. And that, that, at that time, I think people were debating whether it would be Indonesia, or it would be Thailand, or it would be both. But then uh, after Nancy Pelosi's visit to Taiwan, the negotiation took a very interesting turn because the Chinese started to shun Americans, especially during the ANGA session, uh, ANGA meeting in New York in September. They were simply not engaging because from their position, I think they have a strong sense of grievance towards President Biden uh, because he didn't call her and call uh, Speaker Pelosi and tell her not to go to Taiwan, which was the one condition, was the, the one circumstance that uh, Speaker Pelosi did say publicly that would prevent her from going. So Chinese held grudges in September without the negotiation going south were not happening. Uh, and then after the party congress, we really saw the conversation about the summit back online. And it was basically until late last week, we were still hanging in the middle of the air trying to figure out whether the summit was going to take place. But when the news eventually came out that, yes, they were going to have a summit, I think it came out as a very positive message that now since they're going to meet, it's not going to be a yelling session, right? Now that the two sides have agreed to the parameter of the meeting, it means that they're going to play nice and potentially agree to some potential cooperation, like you just mentioned. And that's exactly what we saw from the summit meeting uh, yesterday. I think people's expectation of this meeting should not be very high from the very beginning because the uh, U.S. and China have such a long list of problems, not least uh, on the list is the structural conflict between U.S. and China, one as a status quo power, one as a revisionist rising power. So none of these problems or this structural conflict is going to go away because Xi Jinping and Biden had a face-to-face meeting, right? But if you look at what the meeting really have achieved, I think they have attempted and successfully achieved a positive tone of the bilateral relations going forward, which would not completely reverse the trajectory of U.S.-China relations, but one would hope that it will slow down and potentially adjust some of these uh, free fall during the Trump era and also the continued deterioration of the U.S.-China relations we have seen in the past couple of years. So some people have used the term putting a floor uh, for the U.S.-China relations. I think that's a pretty accurate assessment. But then again, rhetoric and narrative is one thing. Concrete actions and implementation of those policies is a completely different matter. And again, uh, I need to remind people that in the past a year and uh, basically since the inauguration of the Biden administration, it's not like that Xi Jinping and Biden did not talk 
they have had a total of five phone conversations plus a virtual summit. And they all said, said some of the right things that we have seen coming out of this meeting yesterday. But if the question is, well, did any of those conversations really change anything fundamentally? I'm afraid the answer is negative. So yes, trust but verify. Yes, this meeting has struck a very welcomed tone of slight improvement and looking for constructive positive change to the bilateral relations. But no, we still need to see the concrete evidence that actions are being taken, policies are being implemented, and reorientation is in fact taking place, which is a very huge cha challenge going forward. Right. And so if I could just jump in there for a moment, you know, Biden, I think in his press conference, you know, said that, you know, basically said that, you know, things aren't going to get better overnight, but, but I'm paraphrasing is that he doesn't envision or this doesn't necessarily have to lead to a second Cold War. I think it's very easy for listeners to follow along in how the meeting is being framed in uh, the, the U.S. press, but how is the media being framed in the Chinese domestic press and what they see as concrete asks or gives by the Biden administration from this meeting or nothing at all? Well, remember, the Chinese reading of this is going is, is going to be very biased, right? Remember, this is uh, like the come-out come party of Xi Jinping after the 20th Party Congress and after he has just yinked his third term. So for him to come, come out and met with Biden, the Chinese media, the Chinese official propaganda, have framed this as a total triumph of China. And in their readout, there were very long elaborations of what Xi Jinping lectured the American side about, such as the success of the 20th Party Congress, the success of the Chinese-style democracy or the Chinese-style democratic system, and how the Chinese are prepared to contribute to the world peace and also not seeking to challenge the U.S. leadership role. So uh, you will see that the Chinese media's narrative of this meeting is very, uh, I would say, pro Xi Jinping and of course um, sing high praise for Xi Jinping's great leadership, how Xi Jinping is coming out as a great, great uh, global leader. And also the long list of things that President Biden promised China in terms of the uh, the Chinese core concerns, basically all the, all the good things. Things like um, the Chinese pointed out, like for example, she, um, Biden committed to not seeking change uh, the Chinese system, not seeking new Cold War, not seeking opposing China through strengthening the relationship with allies, not supporting Taiwan independence, not supporting two China, one China, one Taiwan, and has no intention, the United States has no intention to have a conflict with China, and has no intention to seek decoupling with China or disrupt China's uh, economic growth. I mean, that is a very long list of commitment that they're quoting directly from the from the U.S. president. And none of those things is, uh, I'm afraid, uh, really truly reflective of the, uh, the current atmosphere or the attitude towards China as we see in Washington. So I'm sure there's a lot of selective reading here involved with the Chinese uh, with the Chinese framing. Right. Which which brings me to, I, I guess, maybe my final question or final set of questions is I know the Chinese dedicated a significant amount of their readout talking about the Taiwan issue, which is unsurprising. Whereas in the U.S., you've had President Biden, I believe, make four statements that would indicate, at least to some observers, uh, that the U.S. is becoming more aggressive, or at least his interpretation of the Taiwan Relations Act uh, is more 
let's say, aggressive than perhaps previous predecessors when he said he would uh, defend the island by force. And you have concurrent moves uh, in the Congress to um, update or at least codify changes to the Taiwan Relations Act or update the Taiwan Relations Act and the U.S. relationship with Taiwan. Is the, are the two sides basically headed again for a collision over this island, or do you think that some of the framing from this meeting can help buffer any challenges that may be upcoming in the near to medium term? I'm not sure if the framing coming out of this meeting is really going to help. Like I mentioned, uh, the long list of things that the Chinese said President Biden promised China, uh, and a lot of them is focused on Taiwan. I think it's very selective because Biden also said U.S. opposes unilateral change of status quo, and the Chinese did not pay attention to that at, at all, right? Um, so I think the framing issue or from this meeting, what we're continuing to see is a selective presentation from China about the issue of Taiwan. If you look at Xi Jinping's message, it's very much a defensive message that China is now trying to seek active use of force against Taiwan, but we're being provoked and we're against Taiwan independence. So Xi Jinping's narrative is focused on everything we do is to oppose Taiwan independence. We don't think that Taiwan is pursuing independence at this point, right? So there are significant different interpretations embedded in the statements made by, by the two sides. And for example, another example is that Biden said very clearly that the United States opposes unilateral change of status quo, which China is very much engaged in. But in the Chinese, uh, especially in terms of the use of coercion and some of the gray zone operations, but in the Chinese narrative, they did not make any mentioning of that. So I'm afraid that this type of selective messaging or selective listening is continue, is going to continue to be a major problem leading to potential frictions between the two sides because that is really the core of the friction and the core of the potential conflicts and if the two leaders are not talking about these issues instead they're just stating their principled position uh, and only hearing what what they want to hear from the other side then that's not going to help to alleviate the tension over the Taiwan Strait. Final question, then we'll wrap up for the listeners, is that I believe uh, Secretary of State Tony Blinken is going to meet with his Chinese, Chinese counterpart to actualize or at least build upon some of the um, the statements made in the readouts from both governments. Uh, I think it's fair to say that some of his interactions with his Chinese colleagues have been frosty uh, up until this point. What would you expect for the Secretary of State and Minister, Minister of Foreign Affairs as they seek to, to meet and build upon even this nascent um, rapprochement or cooperation between the two sides? Yeah, I think rapprochement might be uh, might be might be uh, over <laughs> overestimate of what is uh, what is going on here. I think the um, I think the two leaders have tried to prevent things from exacerbating, but to bring it back to an upward trajectory, I think that's still still going to take time and take evidence and take concrete effort to show whether the Chinese side actually have the sincerity to do what is necessary for things to improve. And that's a lot of ask. And a lot a lot of these asks really goes to uh, a lot of things that the Chinese are not willing to do. So I'm afraid that what we're going to see is a resumption of dialogues, which is not a bad thing by itself. Because after the uh, House of, uh, Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi's visit to Taiwan, the Chinese basically suspended all the working-level dialogues with the American side, including the meal-to-meal dialogue. So by uh, by going to Beijing, I think the uh, Secretary of State will be very keen on resuming some of these conversations, such as on climate change, on food security, 
I, one thing I do not see from the readout from e- either side is there's no reference as for whether that the meal-to-meal conversation is being resumed between U.S. and China. And until I see that particular dialogue being um, being restarted, I think we're still quite far from uh, from an actual improvement of relations. And then again, uh, like I mentioned, having a dialogue or restarting a dialogue is not a thing, but whether it's going to deliver any concrete result is a completely different matter. We know that there are expectations about climate change, but we also know that China has had its own energy shortage in the past one to two years. So the Chinese economy is slowing down and the Chinese government has went back to using more coal for domestic power consum- uh, power generation, for example. So for China to make more commitment on climate change at this point, inevitably is going to affect its ability to re-jumpstart its economy. And I'm not sure that Beijing is really willing to do that. That is to say that for all the problems between the two sides, it requires political will for concessions, for real efforts to be made. And currently, we're seeing the two leaders saying the right thing to restart the conversation on these key issues, but whether the actual actions will follow and specific achievements will be made, that remains to be seen. With that, we're going to have to leave it there. Uh, Thank you as always, Yun, for joining the Warcast. Thank you so much, Aaron, for having me again.